0: it's good to be here this
1: morning join me in standing i'll be reading philippians 4 7 it says And the peace of god which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through jesus through christ jesus uh, brother
0: gus would you open us in a word of prayer please
2: join us in singing hymn number 227, Saved by the Blood of the Crucified One, hymn number
3: 227.
2: Stan, once again. We'll sing him number 146, "A Shelter in the Time of Storm."
1: The first day of his death Since he had taken his last breath Sorrow filled the air The birds stopped singing everywhere Nothing seemed the same The clouds began to weep the rain It was the second day in the tomb where he lay, Satan smiled with glee. He said, I have the victory. You said you'd come to save, oh, but now God in all of his greatness stood up from the throne. He nodded to the angel to roll away the stone. And as the sun began,
2: Once again, we'll sing hymn number 170, Hallelujah, What a Savior, hymn number 170.
4: Well, I think we all know, but just in case you don't, that we as a church are truly blessed. The music that God has given us, talent that sets in these pews, is phenomenal. I've been in churches that begged for this kind of talent and abilities. And I'm just so thankful that you're willing to use them for God's glory. From the choir and the instrument players to the specialists, uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you for making church a great place to come. And, of course, we know it's not about you. just want to throw that in. It's not about you. It's about him. And that's what makes it even better. When you get up and you use your talents for the Lord, you never do it. Look at me, look at me. It's all about him. Thank you. My heart has been moved. I want to preach. I want to preach, but I'm not going to. It's good to have the Reese's with us right over here, this fine young couple. Uh, We were at their wedding. She is one of Brother Con Howerton's daughters, the first to get married. I don't know, still don't know how you talked him out of her, Jacob. Um, But they got married, what, five years ago, six years ago? Six years ago. It was a windy, windy day uh, out at Lake. It was the first, uh, uh, what what do they call those, um, venue first venue wedding that I think I'd been at. And it was windy, and the mics were, you know, and all you're hoping things don't blow over. But it was a beautiful wedding, and it stuck. Praise the Lord. It stuck. What a blessing. It's good to have my dear friend, uh, Brother Harold Wells, and his family here. We've got just a little bit more special music. I love it when families sing together. There's just something about kids that melt, people's hearts. And uh, these kids are willing to be used of God. You know, they, as a preacher kid, you can become resentful or you can be happy and serve God. And uh, I'm thankful these kids are happy and serve God. I've seen them, you know, not in church and they're still as happy as when they're in church. So that's a great blessing. So we're going to have the kids sing and Brother Harold, you come preach.
5: that that's my family i don't say that arrogant that's my family it is i appreciate that i played a lot of sports when i was a kid growing up a lot of sports you know uh i said this to our church before but when i get to heaven jesus isn't going to tell me how many he's not going to ask me how many home runs did you hit he will say what'd you do with your family Uh, and they that go and i am and that encourages my heart and he's right, my kids don't, uh, make, they don't, they don't fuss about it or anything like that. They, every Sunday morning, they get to church early with me. Caleb rides every Sunday morning with me early to church, and then the girls rotate. Uh, they, on the calendar, they kind of know where they're at. Uh, otherwise, you know, kids don't get along with each other, so I've got to rotate them. So but every Sunday morning, they're helping me, and I like that. Um, those are uh, We're going to be in Psalm 127, so you go ahead and grab your Bibles. You don't have to stand yet, but those, if I could say it this way, those are my arrows. Those are my arrows. This already, and I do say it again uh, it 's it's an honor to be with you. I really mean that it's an honor to be with you. The pastor is my friend, and he has friends all over the place, and i 'm working on it, but uh, he's been one easy friend to make uh, he's I, I I love him very much so we've been on the road for uh well i don't know a little while about a week and a half or so um, you Your pastor has asked that you attend all the meetings. Um, he's really only asked for two extra nights—Monday night and Tuesday night—and people have all kinds of reasons why they can't go to the. Uh, those can't take the extra step, and sometimes it's you. Know, as a pastor, you just want to go. Seriously, <laughs> seriously—that's what you're going to tell this to my face and expect me to believe that. Uh, um, and then sometimes it's real serious, and sometimes you. Um, I can't say it's justifiably an absence, but. Um, sometimes you, your heart wants to be somewhere else. So let me tell you, I'm going to preach this morning, and this is probably going to be the most serious of all the messages. I mean, like the most serious. He shares his heart. I try and do the same. So I'm going to really kind of share some things. I mean, this is going to be the most serious this morning. Wednesday night will be really, I think, the most encouraging, and some things going on in between. But uh, when I say sometimes there's maybe a justifiable, if I could call it an excuse for not being here. Um, my dad is, I'm going to tell you a lot of stories this morning, a lot of them about my childhood. Um, but My dad is back home, and he got diagnosed with cancer last year, and uh, we've been waiting on some news for him, thinking, man, we're going we're to we're make some progress, and we're going to get a phone call, and we're going to set up a s- surgery, and we're going to get some, I mean, we're really going to start making some progress here, because up to this point, it's kind of been just a slow, he's losing momentum, if I could say it that way. He's losing momentum. And if they don't do something pretty quick, we know that this ain't going to be good. And uh, we got that call on Friday that they're not going to do anything right now. So I would love to be home and just give them a big old hug. You know yeah. what I mean? But we've got work to do here. So uh, I'd ask that you be here. Uh, we're not talking about you've got to stay home and take care of the puppy. We're not even talking about staying home and taking care of someone with cancer. We're talking about a meeting this week. So uh, if I'm here, you're here. Deal? <laughs> All right. We've been on the road for about a week and a half and we've seen all i read i read some things from time to time and here's some things that i've noticed uh we were getting gas one day at like one of those walmarts and they had a kiosk where they sell all the cigarettes and things like that and i read this i wanted to share it with you uh, this was a legitimate sign that was there it says when you smoke the nicotine actually changes the brain that's why quitting is so hard they wrote that they put that right there you say well how do you know i smoked i don't uh, i heard one preacher say uh, smoking won't send you to hell, just make you smell like you've been there. Okay, <laughs> That's all. <clears throat> I saw this one as well. I saw this one as well. If you like politics, Biden is the author of confusion. <laughs> There's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. I saw this one on the way from Nebraska to Kansas just yesterday. Uh, Perverted California politics are an abomination to the state of Nebraska. <laughs> We could throw Kansas in there as well. I've heard, I hadn't been here long, but I heard some comments already this morning, and this is what I found about being on the road about a week and a half. Listen, I like good old American muscle, you know what I mean? Muscle cars. I like good old American muscle. I, I'm not sure uh, about those rice burners, you know what I mean? Uh, but I like some slicks on the back. I like a, a big block, like a big 502 or something with a demon sitting right on top of it. That's the only good demon you should have is a big carburetor uh, right on top of it. But I'm telling you, those rice burners, that's, that's really not my thing uh, at, at all. Any rice burners here? Anybody like rice burners? <laughs> Brother Russell, really? Oh, really? Close your ears real quick. You probably like cats, too. <laughs> 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 so. Like longevity? I don't care. I won't. <laughs> I want the big choppy, bloop, 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> that thing, where it looks, sounds like it's about to die. That's how they were originally built. I don't know if you knew that or not. That's how all of them were built in the beginning until California came along, right? <laughs> they wanted to change some things, but um, yeah, it's an honor to be here. We've been on the road for a little bit, and uh, it's good to finally be here. This is really a recharge from my, from my perspective I didn't get to go to recharge, so I'm really kind of trying to preach on the family. I think that's where revival is really going to start in our own homes and our personally, the head of the home. So call it Recharge 2.0 or what have you, but um, I'm going to preach from Psalm 127. So if you go ahead and stand with me for the reading of God's Word, Psalm 127 is, is where we're going to be at. I'd ask that you you pray for me as I, as I preach because I'm going to share some things with you that are um, that are our background and... And anyhow, maybe it'll make sense here in just a minute, but uh, I want to thank you for being here this, this morning. Psalm 127, the Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As an arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Lord, this morning, I just prayed you to help me. Lord, I pray that you to help me to preach, and um, Lord, I pray that the things that need to be said would be said, and the things that wouldn't really would not. Pray that you'd uh, just begin working in hearts now, Lord, give us a heart for revival. I know we use that word a lot, but I do really mean that. I think that the heads of the homes is where it starts, and where the head turns, the body follows, so Lord, for this morning, just pray that you'd bless it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I was uh, speaking with the Peterson before service this morning, and he's telling me about his dad. Uh, was able to teach him some things that he's able to use today, and I didn't have that. I'll be really honest with you, I didn't have that at, at all. So I read some books, and I, I looked to some men who are very helpful, they've been very instrumental, and I came across a list of some things that I wrote down because I, I like it, some some things that, that a father should teach their son. I'm going to say, hey, we need good men, don't we? We need good men. Hey, we need good young men as well. We, uh, we're living in weird days where... Uh, people don't know where to go to the bathroom you know I remember traveling once and I remember stopping at at the bathroom and uh, in walked this someone I guess that's all I'm saying and uh, my girls had gone to the bathroom and I thought to myself that ain't going to happen again But I believe it's my job as a father now to be the uh, personal security outside of public restrooms you know what I mean I might not be much, but I'm pretty sure I can take them long enough so that they can finish business and get out of there. Do you know what I mean? Uh, that's just where we're at. We need good men. I didn't have my dad growing up. and but I came across this. It was called Rules to Teach Your Son. I liked. It. i shared just a few, a few of them with you. Uh, this one goes like this. Never shake a man's hand sitting down. I like that type of stuff. When shaking hands, grip firmly and look them in the eye. Uh, I like this one. While making a negotiation, never make the first offer. That's good stuff right there. Father needs to teach his son that. Hey, you don't be the one to make the first offer. Then there's, uh, hey, be a gentleman and uh, request a late checkout. There's this one. Uh, Closed mouths don't get fed. Closed mouths don't get fed. In other words, you're not going to get it if you don't ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. It doesn't hurt to talk. Uh, Then there's this one. Uh, If you're going to borrow someone's car, return it with a full tank of gas. Amen. Uh, How about this one? Uh, Don't let a wishbone grow where a backbone should be. A lot of people out there say, man, I wish I I would have, or I could have that type of thing. Don't let a wishbone grow where a backbone should be. Carry two handkerchiefs. Keep one in your back pocket for you and the other one in your breast pocket for her. You never know when you're going to need it. And then there's other uh, times where dads pretend they got it all together, and they want to act like they got it all together. And I I saw this one. I liked it. It says, in tough situations, you be like a duck. Remain calm on the surface and paddle like crazy underneath. (laughs) Manners make the man. Manners make the man. Write down your dreams. Otherwise, a dream without a plan is just a wish. It's true. Uh, Lead by example and not by explanation. Lead by example and not by explanation. We need mighty men. We certainly do. I I know that to be true. Uh, I don't know. Some just got married here recently. Anybody about to get married? Anybody at that age? Uh, If you're like 22 or so in that area, raise your hand real quick. No, no one's willing to admit it? That's all right. One day you'll be 42 and think you were 22, okay? (laughs) I'll tell you a little bit about my family. I shared with, the, with you already that my wife's family is, uh, were missionaries to Peru. We got engaged at an olive garden. Before we got married, we went through premarital counseling like many people do. And I remember uh, I worked at uh, Texas Instruments for about 10 years, and uh, as we were getting married, I, I had to sit down and i say, all right, sweetheart, this is what I make. This is how much I make per hour. This is what overtime is. If I've got to work a holiday, oh, yeah, it's triple time. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, I remember doing all those things and I remember showing her the bills, I already had a home, and I remember saying, hey, this is how much debt you're getting into. This is our house payment. This is where this is how much it was in my retirement and all those type of things. This was 15, 16 years ago, that type of thing. And I remember saying, This is what I've got, and this is where we're at, and doing all that stuff. And I remember saying, Okay, your turn. She had just graduated college. She was getting ready to get married, and she said this. She said this. She said, She was working at Lynch Crafters at the time. So we're going through premarital counseling. We're gonna be married in about a month and a half. And she says this. She says, I've got a $233 car payment. I've got $5.32 in the bank, and I'm going to quit my job two weeks before the wedding so I can spend time with my family. And I thought to myself, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> but I'll never forget it. She said this. I said, uh, I said do, you want to work? do you want to talk about work maybe a little bit until we have kids? And she didn't really want to do that. She said this. She said, I want to take care of the home, and I want to take care of you. And I thought, huh, <laughs> I'm telling you, that's been a good plan for a long time. I am so very grateful for that, because it allows us to, when I, when we get an opportunity to go somewhere, uh, we just get to go. We get to be, be travel as a family, do things as a family. I, I love that. And I love that. When we got married, uh, I I, went, I got. Um, I remember knowing somebody that worked at Zales Employee Store, and which in other, in other words, that means you get a really good discount. You get a really good discount. So I remember... Uh, getting married, and when I gave her that ring, I talked about in Sunday school. Listen, I got that at the employee store. Here's a good man advice. It's premarital counseling right here. Listen, don't hang debt on her finger and expect her to go work for it. You know what I mean? Don't say, hey, here's your ring, now go to work. You know what I mean? So I got that. And, uh, no one ever looks at her ring and says, hey, was that on sale at the clearance store or anything like that? And I just say, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love it. So you good, man, mighty men. You good, ma- mighty man. We have six kids. I was telling Brother Chris earlier, we had six kids. We had four of them, and then twins snuck up on us uh, I mean, out of nowhere, out of nowhere. I'm, I'm not even kidding. I remember uh, having the four, convinced, telling my wife that we we're done having kids, and she was thinking otherwise, and she came to me one day and said, we're, we're having, uh, I'm expecting, and i very pastorally like, I said, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> And I said this, I said, I said, well, you can't get any more pregnant than you already are. Amen. (laughs) About six weeks later, we went to the doctor. I've done this four times already. I know what I'm looking for. I know how that first exam goes. I know what, I I don't have to be a sonographer to understand how this thing works. And I'm telling you, uh, right off the bat, there was two dots. And then she starts laughing and she starts laughing (laughs) And then those words were like lightning from heaven. You can't get any more pregnant than you already are. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She had been praying for twins, and uh, uh, she got her prayer. And, uh, she had been. On the way, when we left there, she said, I can finally talk about what I've been experiencing in my heart. And she'd been praying for twins, and she thought they were twins already, but... We have four, and then twins snuck up on us, Seth and Sadie. I don't know where they're at. He's not in here right now. The, the boy, we've nicknamed him uh, Fishbait. Uh, you'll understand why. Yeah, my dad, uh, my dad is, he, I'm telling my dad's country. And uh, my dad calls him Fishbait, and he, he used to be a thumbsucker. And my dad would tell him, that, he's only five right now, he only quit about three weeks. Ago. No, <laughs> not that long ago. It was probably only about five or six months ago. That's a little long. And my dad told him, he said, "Hey, son," he said, "If uh, he's got a pond on his tank, on his on his land out there, and he says, he says, Seth, if you don't if you don't quit sucking that thumb, it's going to fall off, and I'm going to use it as fish bait." <laughs> and it's stuck. So we have Seth and Sadie. Sadie's the brown one, and Seth is the white one. They're night and day difference. They're twins, but they'll uh, people ask us questions just like this all the time. They'll look at us and they'll say, "Are they identical?" You're shaking your head, but they do. They do. They really do. And I just want to be... What do you do with that? What do you do with that? There's a connection between how many kids you have versus what people think. There's a connection between how many kids you have versus what people think about you. When you have no kids, like the ones that just got married over here on this side right here. When you have no kids, people say this, "When are you going to have a baby?" When you have one, they say, when are you going to have another one? And then when you have one boy and one girl, they say, perfect, you must be done. When you have two boys, they say, you need to try for a girl. You have two girls, they say, well, you need to try for a boy. When you have three, they're like, is that planned? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Is that that an accident? Uh, but when you have six, I'm telling you, that turns heads. <laughs> when we go eat, I'm telling you, it's like an, their eyes get big. Like, what are we going to do? I mean, I'm just telling you, there's a connection between what people think versus how many kids you have. So my quiver has six arrows, six arrows. Two of which would be uh, two, of, two more. We've had two miscarriages, so I guess a total of eight We finally determined exactly what a full quiver is. You've heard that expression, your quiver's full. We know, hey, listen, I know. I figured out exactly what a full quiver is. I I finally determined what this thing is. A full quiver is the number of seats you have in your car. That's it. (laughs) Unless you're part Hispanic and we'll just stuff them in there, you know what I mean? (laughs) We just do that. Listen i got six kids, six arrows, if I could say it that way. But I also need to understand this as well, that I am someone else's arrow as well. I still have parents. I still have parents. I shared with you last year that my mom is Hispanic and my dad's white. And I only, the only way I can describe him so that you'll comprehend is I just say he's Duck Dynasty white. And he is. He very much is Duck Dynasty white. Uh, Everything I'm going to share with you this morning, a lot of stories will probably include some of my childhood and background and things like that. I'm going to give you the spoiler alert. He got cancer, and that changed everything. All the walls came down, all the problems that were there just kind of went away. There's the spoiler alert, but he is really Duck Dynasty white. There's, there's just no doubt about that. I want to take a minute and just ask you a question, just a, maybe a personal question, uh, How many are, I come from what society calls a broken home. My parents separated at age about 12, 13, and that's not a good time. There's never a good time for a family to separate, but that that was rough. That was really rough, and that would come from what society, that's what they call it, a broken home. Anybody else been through anything like that? Maybe your parents, maybe your parents, things of that nature. Um, Well, listen, I guess what I want to tell you is this right here. How someone else's marriage ended, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. That really needs to sink in because um, as a young person, you can begin, you kind of start thinking all kinds of things like, will my marriage work out? Can I be a good father? Can I be a good wife? And some of those different things. I'm just saying how someone else's marriage ended is not your fault. It's really not your fault. That needs to sink in. If someone's been through a divorce. listen. I told your pastor this morning that I don't like it when, when pastors or preachers would come in and stand in my pulpit and say stuff that I just really want to kick them out right away. So I promise you, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anybody this morning, but I'm just going to tell you my story and just share my heart with you. And um, I know everybody's been touched by this thing called divorce, but I just want to maybe just preach to you a little bit about these arrows. About these arrows. I really want to, if I could give you a, one point, it'd be this. life as an arrow with no direction. Life is an arrow with no direction. Life is an arrow with no direction. In our text we have a mighty man, we have an arrow, and we have a quiver. An arrow with no direction. I brought one here. This is really more of a, a crossbow type of thing. Some of you hunters here might see what, and understand what this is. And Just a little arrow. There's not much to it. And If you know anything about it, an arrow really has three things. Uh, uh, it has, the, has a point or the tip, and then it has the shaft, or a four, I guess, the feathers, one's missed, two are missing, and then that's called the knock right there at the back. Just a little, just a little compound bow, arrow there. Um, I think every boy uh, at some point has owned a bow and arrow. Would you agree with that? Okay, we're not together on the same page yet. Every boy, every boy needs to, he needs to own a pocket knife. You know what I mean? He needs to own a pocket knife. He needs to own a BB gun, you know what I mean, and a, a bow and arrow, that type of thing. Uh, listen, I grew up, we had twins that lived right next door to us, and I remember as a young person, I was probably eight or nine. Uh, back in, when I grew up, they gave you real toys, not this woke stuff, you know what I mean? They gave you real stuff. And uh, one of those toys was a bow and arrow, it was the red bow and arrow, maybe you remember it, and it had the silver tips for the target practice. You don't know if you remember that or not, but as, a, as an eight-year-old boy, you Here's how you tested whether or not it was a good bow and arrow. You would uh, pull it, and you would pull it back as far as you could, and you would shoot it as far as you could, and then you go get the arrow. you go get it and things of that nature. So one day, my neighbors and I thought it would be a good idea to duplicate a cartoon. And we thought that we'd shoot an apple off of each other's head. <laughs> well, that was a bad idea. <laughs> So Ben, he drew the short straw, and I had the bow and arrow, and he had the apple. And I'm telling you, we're about this far apart, and Ben had the apple on his head, and I'm telling you, I got this red bow, and I pulled it back, and I am like that. I am ready to let this thing go. And his dad, it was the only time I've ever been glad I got cussed out. (laughs) He was a rough man, but he came out there shouting, and I am so glad he did. (laughs) Otherwise, I might might have a prison ministry this morning is all I'm saying. (laughs) Every boy needs a pocket knife and a bow and arrow. I know that to be true. Listen, I know this about an arrow. Listen, if uh, an arrow is going to hit its target, it has to have good stability behind the mighty man. It has to have good stability. And what I mean by that, there has to be a mom and There needs to be a mom and dad. Uh, that's, man, there's no better stability in a home than just a biblical home. Do you know what I mean? A mom and dad, good stability there. For an arrow to hit the target, there has to be mom and dad Tony Dungy said this, there's no substitute for a full-time dad. Dads who are fully engaged with their kids overwhelmingly tend to produce children who believe in themselves and live full lives. Think about what he said there. George Bush said this, fathers have a unique and irreplaceable role in the lives of children. I'm just saying, I can't get enough fresh reminders, hey, that I have a great responsibility and I've got arrows and they're Listen, if they're going to land where God intends them to be, hey, I've got to be the stable man behind the arrow, I've got to be the stable man behind the arrow. Listen, no dad is perfect. I understand that. But that's no excuse for me not trying to be one. You know what I mean? There's no perfect dad, but there's no excuse for not trying. Right. Listen, there's no, there's not one perfect father, but that doesn't justify me to be a terrible one either. We see it all the time. An arrow with no direction, listen, an arrow with no direction is dangerous. You don't just walk out and just shoot an arrow off into your neighborhood. That's that's that's. Crazy. That's crazy. No one does that. A, but an arrow with no direction is dangerous. When a child does not have the stability in the home, they can literally land anywhere. They literally land anywhere in life. Literally land anywhere. So this mighty man that we read about, he didn't go down to Cabela's, and he didn't go down to Bass Pro Shops. He didn't do anything like that. He would go out into the, uh, wherever he was at, and he'd find some brush, he'd find a stick, and he'd say, that's, that's got potential. I'm using that word intentionally he would see something and say that has potential and he would pull it out and he'd begin working on it and he'd begin straightening it out and he'd begin whittling on it and he'd begin doing some things and eventually he would have this arrow in other words he would he wouldn't just go down and pick one up off the shelf he'd have to spend time with this arrow i'm telling you mercy alive do we need to spend some time with our kids mercy? so he'd spend some time with this thing it what didn't ha- listen i guess i wrote it like this Kids who turn out well are not the product of haphazard home life. It's got to be done on purpose. Sure, there are some of the exceptions. They're going to do their own thing. I get all that. But listen, the arrow, the arrow is an extension of the mighty man. The end result is what the effort that he's put into it. The end result is the effort he's put into it. So he would spend time with his arrow. Listen, if I had the opportunity to sit down with every one of you and ask one question... Man, I'm telling you, it stops it stops people in their tracks. Uh, If I ask you this question right here, tell me how was the relationship with your dad? Man, I'm telling you, that question right there, you'll see guys do something like this. I don't want to talk about it. Or you might get, my dad was great. My dad was always around. Or you might get, he was busy, or something like that. uh, Head shaking and things of that nature. Um, I get it. I'm telling you, I get it. I get it. But if I said, tell me about your dad, there, there, there's, it's like a window to the soul of an individual because I'm just saying this right here. Dads are important. I'm telling you like dads are really important. Now you guys aren't getting it this morning. Dads are really important. So an answer might be, man, I'm just disappointed, or dad was too busy, or he was an angry man, or he was an alcoholic, or he was uh, just, man, have a wounded spirit. I mean, there's no other question that they'll take a 50-year-old or a 60-year-old and make him go back to being 7 or 8 again, like, tell me about your dad. No other question that makes him become a child again than simply tell me about the relationship with your father. Here's why. And dads are important. Dad's really, really important. Kids can land anywhere in life without a dad. I didn't come prepared with all, all the statistics, but I'm telling you, you talk about incarceration and suicides and drugs and all kinds of things. Listen, oftentimes they are connected to the fact that there was no mighty man behind the arrow. You say, you may have no idea. Uh, you, have, you may have no idea what I went through, and that, that may be true, but here's just a little peek in, into my, my background. Um, I'm not a book writer, but I've told our church, if I did, I'd write one. It's called uh, Divorce from a Child's Perspective, because no one asks the kid's position or opinion. I promise you, I'm not for mean-spirited or anything like that. I'm just telling you my testimony. My parents separated. I'm the oldest, and um, my parents separated when I was about 13. I had three siblings. I had two sisters and a little brother that was about a year and a half old. And uh, I played a lot of sports, and I remember um, when you get into junior, if you play peewee ball, your parents go to all those games and practices. When you get to junior high, they don't go to the practices anymore, it's just the games. But I remember playing football, and I remember see, seeing my mom setting out on the bleachers during practice, and I thought, well, that's weird. And uh, it was that day she was going to tell me that my dad was leaving, and uh, that, was, that was a tough day. That was a tough day. I'll never forget that riding home trying to comprehend some, some of the things that had been told to us that my dad was leaving and things like that. And um, then I remember I remember listen, that, that was just tough. My, my dad left, my mom, and she had four kids, and she was caring for my aunt was about our age as well. So it was really five kids. My dad left, and my mom, with uh, she had no job, she had no car. Um, we lived in a two-bedroom mobile home. You could, you could throw a cat through the wall. It was that bad. Um, you, could, you could walk through this mobile home, and it looked, mut- th- I, I'm not kidding. This would have been great. This would have been great. You could see potholes in our house. Friends would come over, and we'd say, don't step there, and maybe we'd take a piece of plywood, and we'd lay it over the hole and different things like that. That's just, that's just how I grew up. And so that's the condition my, my, my dad left, and the family in, and I remember, I remember, uh, I remember as a kid being the oldest. I remember as a kid being the oldest, uh, thinking to myself, "It's and it's in men, it's in boys to, to figure this thing out. Uh, so whether it's the oldest child, or boy or girl or, or men, I want to figure this thing out." And I remember, I remember as an as a uh, about twelve or thirteen. Uh, you guys remember those wallets where the Velcro? <laughs> you know what I mean, talking to the fabric. Remember, <laughs> right? I had 18 $1 bills, and uh, I remember, I remember uh, thinking, how are we going to make it?
0: As a 12 year old, that's tough.
5: It puts a lot of pressure, puts a lot of pressure on a young person. Sitting there counting that out, my sister's being in the room, my mom in the next room crying, just opening that thing up, going, how are we going to make it on $18? How are we going to make it on $18? It's tough. I remember uh, my dad, when he told us, you know, my mom did this thing, I guess, if you're going to leave, you're going to have to tell him. And um, so my dad, I remember him sitting down in the living room and um, telling us uh,
0: that he was leaving.
5: And uh, I remember making this statement with my my siblings sitting right around me on the floor, kind of like where Brother Metzinger's at. And I remember making this statement. What do you remember out of all that? I remember making this statement. I remember telling him, I said, we'll be better kids. And uh, Bill walked out. And that was tough. Because he went to uh, another family where they had kids. And I remember, I remember um, going to their house shortly after. And I remember the first time he kissed her. Whew, that hurt. I couldn't tell him until I was 40 that the reason I stopped going to your house is because that just hurt to see someone else in that position. That hurt. And um, so I remember going there, and I remember walking into their home and looking. The first thing I thought was, they have a floor. They have a floor. Things like that. My childhood, uh, we, were, we were the angel tree kids. You remember, familiar with that, the angel tree? That stuff's not made up. They're not selling that behind the store. We were the angel tree kids. And well, I'm telling you, God's blessed us and uh, now on this side of it, man, I give to that. I give to that because I was in that. I, I was there. Our first Christmas after my dad left. Our first Christmas after my dad left, they somebody put us on the angel tree, which also means this. Gifts were really good. <laughs> but she was up, my mom was upset because he was going to go spend, fan, spend time with the new family. And uh, in Texas, the grass is dry in December, just like it is in July. And he, she chases him down, leaves us at the house, chases him down. She's crying, and she ends up in the ditch in a Ford Aerostar van. He comes back to basically try and get her out of the ditch. They're all fighting and stuff like that. He ends up spinning the tires, catching the van on fire. And... They're over there throwing the gifts out of the van. And then the, what, what, what lasted came back to us for our first Christmas. That was our first Christmas after you say, that's messed up. Yeah, you bet. It was. It was. But that was my, that was my childhood. That was my childhood. I was pretty good at baseball. When I say pretty good, I mean I, anybody that gets up here and says, well, I used to play sports. They're trying to relive their glory days. Just don't. That was okay. I'd hit real home runs, not, not in the Parkers, right, because guys couldn't play catch. Like ropes, real ones. And I'd have all these guys, dads, you know, come around pat you on the back and different stuff like that. And uh, where's yours? You know? And when he would come you'd be way off down the sideline watching that type of thing. That was tough. That was really tough. That was really tough. Missed birthdays. Missed birthdays and things like that. And I remember fussing uh, over child support. And I remember where we lived. My neighbor had a 77 Chevy. And my dad had like an 80 uh, right in there. The same truck, basically. It's the same truck. And I remember hearing this truck up the road every day thinking, Dad's come home. Dad's come home. Couldn't tell him a lot of this stuff now, but divorced from a child's perspective. Remember thinking, Dad's come home. Dad's coming home. Dad's coming home. Mom never remarried, and um, I have a guest house in my backyard. In fact, that's where she lives now, even until today. In other words, I've just been kind of caring for Mom all these years even though she's she's, uh, never remarried and he left and life went on. So if you could illustrate my life as an arrow, as a teenager, I'd call it like the most defective arrow you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, this one's made out of some, I guess, carbon fiber. But if it had some bendability to it, um, well, I'm telling you, I was scarred. And I was under a lot of pressure. Sometimes I feel like you're going to snap. And if I could take the tip off. I'd really say, man, what was, where was life going? As a young person without a mighty man behind me, I'm telling you, I was headed straight for the world. I was headed straight for the world. I I really was. Listen, I guess what I'm telling you is uh, despite all that, I'm telling you, Christ straightens all that out. I'm telling you, when life seemed to be pointless and I was under pressure and there was no direction and there was no stability, I'm telling you, salvation straightened all those things out, gave me direction and gave me purpose and gave me resolve and gave me a point in life and direction. I'm telling you, when everything else seemed to be crumbling around me, I'm telling you, salvation worked all those things out. did. So an arrow with no direction, that's about how I felt. But if I could give you the second point, it would be this. Uh, You're an arrow as well. Uh, You're an arrow... Not a boomerang. You're an arrow, not a boomerang. If you know anything about those things, no one knows how to throw them, but we know how they're supposed to work. There was this guy. His name. There was this kid, and we used to pick up on our bus ride. His name was Chase McDowell. Chase McDowell was a punk, <laughs> but I loved him. Uh, he was a mouthy kid. He just wanted to backhand him from time to time, but you couldn't. <laughs> um, we recording this. <laughs> I liked him. I liked him. We're working with the teenagers, and Chase is coming into the youth group, and we picked him up on the bus. before church. He's got a boomerang. He's throwing this thing. He's throwing this thing. It won't work. It won't work. It won't work. Chase throws this thing one more time, takes his eye off of it, goes out there, comes back, makes the circle. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Been wanting to do that forever. (laughs) Came back and got him. Came back and got him. When you consider all the work that went into making an arrow, all the investment and things of that nature, I'm telling you that one of the biggest hurts I had for my dad was probably uh, when we had Gracie's 12-year-old birthday party. Um, We don't do the 16 thing, even though I'm half Mexican, but we decided to do something at her 12-year-old birthday party. And it was, we were going to make a big deal of it out at, out at the church. She was going to play a piece on the piano. She was going to re- quote some scripture. I was going to preach to her, that type of thing. It was a pretty big deal. The church was invited. We wanted to do something at her 12 year old birthday party. And um, I remember looking out, sending an invitation to my dad one more time. And uh, I remember looking out, being disappointed one more time. Man, that one hurt. One thing to hurt me. But then, my grand, uh, his grandkids. My father in law is about the size of Brother Metzinger, and they look a lot alike and got the same heart and things like that. My father in law, he was there. He traveled down from Nebraska. He read me like a book. He read me like a book. And he came up after service, and um, this is what he said He said, Give me a big hug. He's, in my ear, he says, You'll always be my son. I'm telling you, I had heard that before, but that time, it just meant, meant a whole lot more. I guess what I'm saying is this right here. Um, as an arrow, people have invested in you. People have spent time on you. People have spent a lot of time on you. Your pastor has spent a lot of time praying for you and time with you and things of that nature. And I guess what I'm trying to tell you is this right here. You're an arrow, not a boomerang. That don't make much sense. And I'm telling you, you're an arrow with a purpose out there. You don't come back to hurt those that have helped you the most. What I'm saying is you can catch the visual here. You're an arrow, not a boomerang. I don't ever want to hurt those who've invested in me and helped me the most. I don't ever want to hurt my father-in-law. I don't ever want to hurt my wife. I don't want to ever hurt my kids. I don't want to ever hurt my church. But listen, I don't ever want to hurt a mighty God who did a great work on me. More importantly than anything else, my friend, I don't want to hurt Him. I don't want to hurt Him. You're an arrow, not a boomerang. An arrow with no direction can land anywhere. So where's my heart this morning? I guess it's just this. Listen, my friend, I'm telling you, we got to get a hold of the hearts of men in church. Hey, mighty men and women behind arrows are going to land out there and do something wonderful for God. Thinking about this last night, I was getting ready. One of the things I realized is my kids are going to land in y'all's church and someone else's church. And someone else's kids or arrows are going to land in my church. And I wonder what's coming down the pike. Sometimes I go, man, this ain't good. Then all I know is this right here. All I can do is raise my kids the best I can for the glory of God, and let them land and serve where they land. They're an extension of their parents. They're there to be a help. You're an arrow, not a boomerang. An Arrow, no direction can literally land anywhere. I didn't share a bunch of stories just to stir up your old memories. I promise you that. I promise you that. But I do hope you leave here this morning with a greater resolve. Yeah, I'm going to be everything God wants me to be. I'm going to be the man in the house. I'm going to be the woman in the house to lead my family and, and point them in a direction they land and do something great for God. Stand for a verse of invitation this morning.
0: i ask you a couple questions.
5: What can you do right now? To ensure that you have a stronger and mightier family one year from now? What can you do to ensure that your kids don't fly through life with no direction? What can you do? I understand that I'm probably talking to some who've already been affected by it, but I also want to tell you there's hope. Hope. You say, I can never get over what I've done. No, that's not true. All those stories I just shared with you, my dad and I have spoken more in the last year and a half than we have in the last three decades. That's only the forgiveness of Christ can allow us to do that. Can I ask you this right here. Have you been straightened out? In other words, have you been saved? Do you have a point in life? Are you going where God wants you to go? Christ will straighten out all those things. If you need to be saved today, can I just ask you this morning, why not? Why not? Why not get things worked out? Why not get that settled? Why, what, greater, better, what better way to start a home? And, Begin serving in a local church. Hopefully, getting saved this morning. Lord, we love you. And thank you for the opportunity to be the head of a home, to be a mighty man, be a mighty woman in the home. What a responsibility we have with kids and grandkids. And, or, I know this week has talked about revival, but where does it really start? Uh, it starts right here in the man that's standing in these shoes, the ones that I'm preaching to this morning. Lord, I pray that you give us a heart to respond. I pray that you bless the invitation as only you can. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. How about a church? I don't know how it works for your invitation, but if you'd like to make an altar out of your chair, you'd like to come forward, I'm telling you, maybe just this morning, come to an altar and say, hey, I'm going to be everything God wants me to be. I'm going to do everything I can to be a mighty man and a mighty woman. It's going to start this morning. God spoke to your heart. This invitation is for you.
2: Search me, oh God.
0: Well, our first announcement is that we have revival starting today, um, and it'll be
6: going through Wednesday, so it'll be, it'll be today's just normal services, but uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday will start at 7 p.m., um, and then we have our teen class starting October 4th, so I'm excited for that. We'll have outreach October 7th and 9 a.m., ladies' meeting October 19th, uh, more details to come. There will be an all-nighter. Um, and if you can have the teens dropped off at 8 p.m. on October 27th, and I will figure out a pickup time because we do not want you guys leaving them till 12. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and then we'll have a teen fundraiser coming up later in October, but uh, we'll provide more details for that. Um, go ahead and pray and be dismissed. And we'll meet back up again in, at one o'clock. Um, Brother Foster,
0: can you go ahead and pray for us? Brent and Foster.